Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. My guest tonight on the Cappuccino podcast is Constable Tegan Turner, who joined the New Zealand Police in 2013. Uh, she's a PT, she's a nutrition coach. She specialises in pre and postnatal exercise, which I've got to be honest, Tegan, probably there's not going to be much benefit for me in that, but that's all good. Yeah, uh, there's plenty of others that will there will be. Um, so she started off at, uh, in the Hutt Valley um, on a public safety team year, where she met her husband. About a year and a bit later, she has her first child um, and uh, goes on a little bit of leave there, comes back and goes onto a road policing team. And then... Her maternity leave, when baby number two arrives, ended at 22 weeks, and somehow she juggles a 40 hours a week job in between her husband and raising two kids. She's now based at the Chatham Islands as the sole charge officer there, and she's a keen hockey player, she's a crossfitter, uh, and have you played for the New Zealand Police hockey team? Yeah. There you go. What position do you play in field hockey? Centre. So centre, half in a, wherever they put me. Okay, so as an ex-field uh, hockey goalie, I have to apologise to all the defenders and goalie because Tegan doesn't really <laughs> play the game, but that's all right. That's okay. All right, so so the speed round. First question, the best police movie of all time, in your opinion, is what? Oh, crikey. I haven't... Oh, that was a really good one. You put me yeah, right yeah. in the spot there. Yeah, that's all right. Oh. I, can come, I can come back to it. It's all good. No worries. Okay. Come back. Okay. If I wasn't a police officer, I think I would be what? Definitely a personal trainer. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Uh, the last book that you read was what? Um, to be honest, I'm really bad at reading books and I read, I'm currently reading Tia Toomey's book, oh, yeah? The Cross. Um, cool. So we're just starting that. So we're just getting into that. So I can say that that's the last book I've started reading. Nice. Uh, the one thing that really frustrates the heck out of me is what? <sighs> People eating with their mouth open is one of the things that frustrate me. Right. Mental, <laughs> mental note, don't chew gum when you go to the Chatham Islands. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, my cheat day meal looks like what? My cheat day meal is definitely a good burger from either Dirty Burger yep. or from, what's it called? Crikey. That's so how I haven't had uh, takeaways in a very long time. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. Yep. Um, but thing. Dirty Burger, yeah, I'll go Dirty Burger. They're okay. very good. All right. Who was your childhood hero? My childhood hero has to be my mum. Um, she's uh, I've followed in her footsteps a lot. So nice. I've always looked up to her. Okay. Uh, and the best police movie was what? Oh. Has to be a good like bad boys or something. Like I haven't really watched a hell of a lot. I'm okay. terrible. That's all good. <laughs> all right. So before you joined the New Zealand Police, what did you do for a job? Um, before I joined, I was working for my parents. Um, I used to work for them. They own real estate, so I was doing the accounting, oh, marketing cool. stuff for them. Um, I also worked for cafe for a family friends cafe on a Saturday, so I did right. juggle the two jobs back then as well. Perfect. So I'll expect an awesome cup of coffee um, when yeah, you and so I finally catch up. Good work. Okay. What was recruiting like for you? Um, and what was the thing that had you worried the most when you 
started on the recruiting process, it's a question I always ask most of my police guesses. What was the thing that worried you the most about recruiting? Um, I pulled out of school at 16. Um, so my biggest concern was how was I going to face the study? How was I going to be able to get through it, cope um, with all of that and being able to actually, the concept of study when I went to police college. Um, and when I went to police college, I actually failed my first exam. And that hit home quite hard in yeah. realising because I was told by someone that when I was interviewing for police that I would never make it through police. And um, so all of that came flooding back. And I was obviously put with Rob Masters, who we know, and <laughs> the way he taught me um, during those um evening classes that we did he actually put everything together the rather than just sitting in the class because I was terrible at just listening and trying to soak it all in I was more I'm more a practical learner rather than a theory learner so um but yeah the process was leading up to it was that was was just the study how am I going to deal with it fitness yeah. side I've always been into fitness our family's huge background yeah. of sports so I didn't have any concerns around that I yeah ran pretty much every day worked in town so I ran the run every day and did the press-ups and things so that nice. was all fine yeah we won't we won't say too much but Robbie Masters is actually a pretty good teacher but I, I don't want him to hear the podcast and think that he is so that's all good um <laughs> yeah so you graduate and you get posted to Hutt Valley uh public safety team what was yep. that like because when you first start off your first sort of week or well, actually let's be honest your first three or four months is like this big eye-opener um, with yeah. everything that's going on around. Can you remember what it was like when you first started and what your first arrest was for? I Because we actually started off in road policing. So we did the traffic alcohol group for the first three months. I think it was three months. Yep. Yeah. And for the first three months, we obviously just rode checkpoints after checkpoints, talking to people. And I remember my first warrant to arrest was probably my first lockup nice. um, and it was just like what is this and because everything then starts flooding back to like what is a warrant yeah. um and so me and one of the other new guys he was quite switched on to at that time and he was like oh this is what you do and I'm like oh okay cool <laughs> yeah. it, was just like, it was just a bit of an airy fairy oh my god I'm arresting someone I'm giving out tickets and it was yeah. And then everything started to make sense. Ah, that's all good. Good work. All right. So somewhere in there, you meet your husband uh, to be Dan. And just before getting your, what we call a permanent appointment in the police, so you become a permanent sort of fixture in the New Zealand police, you find out that you're pregnant as you're handing in your permanent appointment papers. Um, what was that like? And what was running through your mind at the time? Were you thinking, oh my God, I've blown this. This is going to be horrific. How am I going to balance this? What was going on? I think I had nightmares of having to go back to police college, to be honest, yeah. um, <laughs> having to go back and, and redo it all. And no, but it was, it was good. We had a lady, lovely lady, Sue Dan, who sat me through it all just to make sure that everything was ticked off. And if we did any um, to go back through all of my work, um, I think I was just, what, what am I going to do in police is probably the next thing is I'm pregnant and what do I do? I was just starting to get involved in the job. I just hit two years. I was loving it. Yeah. Everything was starting to click. Um, so no, it was, it was like, make sure this gets signed off. So, cause I don't want to have to do any of this <laughs> when I come back after a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you're back at work just four months later, but this time yeah. you, you, you go back to road policing. 
Um, yeah. what, what was your confidence like when you went back and how hard was it to juggle Bub and let's be honest, hubby partner and the New Zealand police all at the same time? What was that like? It was a juggle and a half. Um, Dan was obviously training in his dog handling at the time. So he was on the Monday to Friday, a couple of late shifts. So with that, we juggled my shifts with his work and then our amazing parents on a Friday night would always have our girl. So it was kind of always there that she would have them. Um, I know, to be honest, the first one was quite simple and having one kid is, is quite easy. Um, and she slept from eight weeks. So I nice. had the sleep. Um, she, you'd put her down at six o'clock at night and you wouldn't hear from her till the next morning. So everything was actually quite smooth sailing. And the bosses that I had at the time, they were, they'd been in police a very long time and they understood family life and family came first. So that if I needed to go home or Dan had a call out for everything that he did, we just go switch positions. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was definitely a very easy process going uh, back. That's all good. Now, I'm going to ask you, this as a ex-road policing officer. What's the one thing or excuse that irks you the most as an ex-road policing officer right, about the carnage that happens on New Zealand's roads? And then the other part to that question is, how do we get it right? So there you go. So the first excuse, the one that really just sticks in your brain. Oh, there's so many. Honestly, it, it just the the no seatbelts, and I refer back to that yeah. Yeah. To a lot. Is I never I, I I forgot, and it's like click goes your seatbelt has been around for so many years, yeah. and I think it's just one of those things you always put it on. My kids yell at me if I'm reversing out the driveway and they haven't got theirs on. So like you, so as you grow up and there's no excuse in kind of the next generation to not have it on with you when it's it's beeping at you in the new yeah. cars. Yeah. It's probably one of my biggest hates, excuses, is I forgot. Yeah. Um, especially with little children and the seeing little children in cars with no car seats and yeah. not being done. There's kind of no excuse. No. Um, and to that, I think, you know, Ronald McDonald, do we have the ad again? Do we have that on so that it's continuously in people's brains? I mean, it's still it's still there, but apparently I've heard some police officer. I'll just point at him now. Actually, he actually had a number one single. But I'll tell you some more about that when we get to the when we get to the Chathams because you and I will be singing at that every school we go to. All right, so there we go. Oh wait, and they will too. <laughs> yeah, nice, good work. All right, so then a year later, bud number two happens. Uh, and your maternity leave ends at 22 weeks, right? So you find yourself, again, having to juggle two times, kids, this time, 40 hours yeah. a week. Your partner shifts too. What was that like? Because that that actually took its toll on you, didn't it? This one did. Um, so it goes back to uh, my second one decided that she wanted to feed every hour on the hour. Oh, she never stepped from the day. Um, go. <laughs> and Dan was on he was on six on four off at the time. Yeah. And before I went back to work, I spoke to our inspector on road police at the time, who was incredible. Same thing, family life. And she said to me that let's do a roster that works for you. And so I went back at 40 hours a week, four days, 10 hour shifts. But what it was that if Dan was working an early shift, I would work a late shift. 
Um, and then I might not work for another couple of days, but I might work three days in a row, Yeah, which was fine. Um, but again, if I was working, say that late shift and I had to be, he had to be up for an early shift the next day, I would probably, I'd get home at 11 o'clock baby would, I was still feeding at the same time. So I'd always rush home, feed baby at six o'clock, go back out, continue policing and go back. And by 11 o'clock, she'd be awake again. Yeah. And so I wasn't getting sleep and then I'd be up at five, six o'clock the next day with the other one as well. And, and then it just became a pattern and it's not now until I look back at how less asleep, how things like forgot, like, I mean, work and everything just became one big cycle. Yep. Yeah. Which Which they say is the big key indicator. Every mental health person I've ever had on the podcast always says the big sort of uh, warning bell here is lack of sleep and that's mm-hmm. the that's the first step to depression and everything else going on as well um do you think yeah. like you actually said um that you had a low in your life juggling everything mm-hmm. when you're trying to and everything else and you didn't talk talk to anybody about it because the reality was you didn't really know what you were going through which i think lots of people do as well they're just like uh if i get a decent night's sleep tonight I'll be right, but you know, you've got like six weeks of non-sleep going on as board. Um, yeah. What was it? What was it like for you? Was it just? Was it just a lack of sleep, or did you just? Do you think you were suffering from uh, postnatal depression, or all of the above? Or. Yeah, I think I think it was a mixture of a whole lot of things. I think I was, I knew I had to go back to work because obviously we had a house, we had a mortgage, we had to yeah. pay things, and there was no, we couldn't not not work. Yeah. Um. So I knew I had to do that and I knew I had to provide for my family. Um, And then the lack of sleep kicked in. You don't at the time actually understand and realize what's going on with yourself. Um, There was moments where I knew I was upset. I was depressed, but you just can't pinpoint the reason why. Um, I did have a best friend in Australia who suffered from postnatal psychosis. And so obviously the next step, and I was there when it happened and so I had that in the back of my mind not to get to that stage. Yeah. But I also couldn't tell myself to go and get the help at the same time. Yeah. And the fear of probably being not not brought off the street, yeah. but the fear of being pushed back into a desk job is probably where my fear was because I'm not going, not wanting to go back to a desk job. I loved yeah. my job on the street. I loved what I did. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in hindsight, now knowing what you know with pre and postnatal exercise and having been there and done that and everything else, if I took the clock back and went, I'm going to take today's Tegan and go and speak to then's Tegan, what would you tell mm-hmm. yourself? I would tell myself that that person, so I would tell myself to go and exercise more, um, to go out and enjoy an hour by myself um, and get that exercise in because it is one of the, I mean, once I got down the stage of, because I started off going to F45. Yep. Uh, that became my routine was up at five, go up and go to 5.30 class. And that started my day. If I didn't get that workout in, I was a different person. Yeah. I was an upset person and nothing would fall into place. And it hasn't been until, oh, crikey, maybe about a year ago we not saying Dan's bad, but he finally realized he's like, you need to go to the gym. 
yeah. you need to go and he he now knows that that's my trigger point that's when when things are starting to make me upset then go to the gym for an hour and I myself wish that I knew that back then to be yeah. able to go okay I'm going out for an hour or I'm going to start work an hour early and go to the gym there yeah yeah it because exactly. it's a huge mindset I mean it helps with so many different things yeah you're not wrong um it releases those endorphins doesn't it and then boom, away you go all right so obviously you find that the gym's a great release for you and then you decide to go and do some training and exercise and nutrition what was that all about because i mean you've got lots of plates spinning at the same time actually you know what tigs just go and add another one because that'll work for you so what was that all about was it just interest or was it the fact you wanted to go somewhere else with it um i've always had this plan in my mind um and it's always been sorry, not a plan, a dream is yeah. to is to own a gym, um, and it's to have multiple different things involved with that. And having worked in the place, I also want to have a childcare center that kind of goes alongside it. Yeah. Um. So that obviously there's a lot of mums that need the childcare then to go to work, and there's a couple of things I want to progress with that. Um. But it wasn't until. Sam and Anastasia are friends of ours they used to own a CrossFit gym and and we'd mentioned it previously and we mentioned they want to be a coach and so we finally took the step and she said why not like you just do it and I'm like okay and my and I was like is it the right time is it when is going to be the right time is it in five years time I'm like I'm not getting any younger so I decided to just do it yep um, and I'm so glad I had her as my mentor to be able to just so just do it and believe in me. Yeah. Um, so it took over a year. Um, it shouldn't have probably taken that long, but with everything else, it it all was a bit too much at the time. Um, but I did it. And yep. then January this year, I wanted to add to it. So then I decided to do nutrition as well. Nice. Good work. Okay. So what is it that you like so much about CrossFit? And what it does for you because i mean i know that there are other people i every now and then uh roberto masters and i will dabble in a sort of pseudo cross crossfit type workout um and i particularly because i'm getting older now i like body weight exercise more than the heavy weights my joints don't ache so much in the morning and i do <laughs> jujitsu as well but um what's what is it for you about crossfit because you know that there are some people who look at it and go that is just insanity plus right there what's going on in those people's heads what is it that you enjoy so much about it? It's a lot of things. Is the strength, the endurance, the challenge. Um, I wish I had started. I mean, it was everyone. They always wish they had started something a lot earlier. Um, with So I started obviously just doing F45. I've done gym work. I've been to different gyms. I've done tried different things. And it wasn't until I found CrossFit and found the competition, the strength started doing a lot of research, um, watching the CrossFit games and just the incredible talent in these people, the strength, the fitness. I think it, it's just something, it makes me happy. Yeah. Um, and the mobility, it, there's a, just a, a big, it's just everything put into one for me. Um, yeah. I can go and I can go do my deadlifts and I'm getting my one rep max or I can go do a really fun strength endurance workout and I feel absolutely incredible like I'm extremely fit um so I know it kind of just 
it draws me to it and my strength in the past year has gone up so much and I went to a competition in December last year where I tried to bench press 47 kgs and that was that and I couldn't do any more um today yesterday I went into the gym and did 60 kgs so it just shows that the programming and things that they do within CrossFit themselves actually challenges your body and helps it build that strength and fitness more than anything I've ever done in the past yeah that's all good um now you've done quite well at it as well haven't you because you've actually taken a podium finish as well I did it was the most exciting part of my life and I look back now I'm like holy moly that was Uh really quite huge so this year in April I um, went to the fittest mum competition yeah and so in November last year you performed you do online competitions and then the top 24 from that go through to the New Zealand Nationals fittest mum up in Auckland so this year we went up and so we came back from the Chathams went up there and it's just a day competition um, against some incredible phenomenal um, mums I was in the third division um, because it has the RX intermediate then scaled um, and then beginners and in my first workout I had double unders which I couldn't do and I didn't think they were going to do in um, our division and there's a picture of me actually like with my muscles everything like getting out because you could see I was getting angry because I was doing like single double unders um but I finished the workout I got through it and I was sitting in eighth position up until I think maybe the second last workout I think there was seven in total and I turned around and said to Dan that it was a waste of time because I'm I love winning yeah. <laughs> I was like I want to go home I'm yeah. sorry for getting my kids here all day um and then so those last couple of workouts, I put everything into it and got third. And it happens to be that the first place winner, her family's actually from the Chatham Islands. Hey, so you guys are training together now, I hope. So it's such a small. No, so she lives up north, um, yeah. but her family right. relations are all back in the Chathams because they all messaged me and stuff the next day saying that she was the, she was related back to the chat and so it's pretty cool and now we we kind of message each other on a daily basis just checking in and seeing how each other going we're kind of a bit gutted nice. that um and the way i am right now but yeah 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 and we're going to talk some more about that in a second so don't give it away um yeah so um so you've done really well at that uh and then with all that going on as well uh was it the beginning of this year you went to the chathams or was it december last year yeah december last year you the kids hubby all move to the Chatham Islands and you go there and become the sole charge officer what made you go let's go to the Chatham Islands because you know most New Zealanders when you talk about the Chatham Islands and I'm very sorry and apologetic to all the islanders that will listen to this most of them go oh yeah that it's great let's go to the Chatham Islands thinking that it's sort of around the back of Rangitoto or sort of just off off the side of Gisborne um what, what made you go yeah let's go to the Chathams well, this time last year, um, was it this time? Well, in lockdown last year, it would had come up in February for the job in the position. And me and Dan have always wanted to go somewhere else and go police in a soul charge area. Yeah. Um, I've always had the intention that like the Solomon Islands or something like that when the kids are older, just doing an overseas deployment. Um, and then this came up and 
we thought, no, nah, we won't give it a go. Dan's just really got into his into his job. The kids juggled up them and then lockdown came. And during lockdown, obviously Dan went back. He was at work and I spent six weeks with the kids at home. And I was like, what are we doing? Like I was spent the last three years juggling kids. We actually don't know who our kids are. Yeah. And he'll give me the chance to be able to be a mum to the children. Yeah. And so we go, oh, we should have applied. And then come, I think it was August, we applied last year. I said, let's do it. Let's actually spend family time together and go do something different. So we applied and with one of the couple of interviews that were there, we got the job and it was a bit of a shock to the system because I was like, I've only done my road police and had a couple of kids and yeah. stuff. So it was really cool. It was so exciting. Yeah, it was. it's quite funny because... I was talking to some of the guys about it today on the checkpoint we were on, and they said, oh, gee whiz, she'll be really sort of old and crusty then, won't she? Is what he mean? It's like being on the Chathams. I'm like, well, no, not really. But so the, I think they expected some really long in the tooth cop, but there you go. So for those who don't know, especially for our Canadian and American listeners, you can go and Google Chatham Islands, New Zealand, but it's New Zealand's most, and correct me if any of this is wrong, it's New Zealand's most eastern point. Uh, it's about 10 islands in the Chatham Islands group. Is that right? No. So oh, there you go. go on. There we go. So the Chatham Islands consists of Chatham Islands and Pitt Island. Yep. So that's what I heard. Got, yep. yep. So you've got the Chatham Islands, which is obviously the main island. And then Pitt Island, I think we've got, sorry, Pitt Islanders, maybe around 30 people yep. down there. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and on Chatham Islands, we've got 600, just over 600. Yeah, because according to your last census, you had 630-something or other. Um, yeah, so so that's the kind of Chatham Islands. It's, and how far away is it? How far is the flight from mainland New Zealand? Mainland, it's an hour 45. So if everyone, anyone was to look on the map, it's kind of in line with Christchurch. Yeah. And we get a mixture of Wellington and Christchurch weather. Yeah. And what's it been like with the, um, shall we say, influx of internal tourists? Uh, recently we when we arrived it was just non-stop with tourists um and i was like oh my god this is an isolated island like there's a lot of people there's a lot of tourists like and i hadn't been to the chatham so i had no idea what i was actually in for but dan had actually been over and relieved in 2013 um for a couple weeks so he knew exactly what he was getting into um but it's been cool like speaking there's a lot of people that will turn up on our doorstep a lot of tourists and they want obviously pictures of the local uh, police officers and which is really cool but then a lot of them actually know either people that we know back in Auckland or Dan's dad because he was um fisheries officer Uh, so they turn up for little individual things so it's been quite cool having them there and we've actually been quite slow and steady since they've been gone yeah, what's the what's been the coolest thing about moving to the Chatham Islands for you personally? It's really hard to put everything into it. Um, to be honest, the people and realizing that people are actually really, really lovely. Um, you know, you drive down the street, everyone waves to you. You walk into the shop, and everyone speaks. Everyone says hello. You walk down the street, and you you just continually having that interaction with people. Mm. And I come back to New Zealand. I come back to Wellington, and I miss walking down the street and 
just now in lockdown, I walk around, I still smile at people, but people just don't have that same yep. interaction. Um, yep. And the, I think you just appreciate people, you appreciate life and you appreciate food as well. Yeah, because, yeah, but obviously it's it's there. Apparently uh, the crayfish on the Chathams are something to behold, so I'm told. Um, oh, right. No. Yeah, don't get me started. All right, so um, being a limited species as a police officer, so to speak, on the island, um, mm-hmm. you guys are obviously on 24-7, I, I'm guessing. Um, what's Has it changed your style of policing since you've been, been there? Absolutely. Um, you go from obviously being in the Hutt Valley where we're very, very busy and you log on and you go racing to every single job and you don't stop to eat. You literally, until you finish, that's when you eat. Um, whereas here in the Chathams, I'm obviously not there at the moment, but in the Chathams, you, it's more your community work and which I didn't get to do any of yeah. while you're back here. And I found my love for it. Yeah. Um, I found that it's a very nice way of policing um, and being involved in that area. Um, and you become like involved with, not with people, but you'd be able to help people from start to finish with a lot of the jobs. Whereas I find that here, you kind of go to a job, you deal with it, and that's that. Yeah. Um, so I've found that it's been really nice to see jobs through and see the variety of jobs because we're not just a road policing officer or a dog handler. No. We are everything. Yeah. And so it's just getting a feel for everything and actually loving the job again. And like when we talk about um, first responders being on the island, you've obviously got AMBO crews, and I'm guessing it would be a volunteer fire brigade there. Yeah, so we have the volunteer firefighters, which we just had four of them actually go to Christchurch, I think it was, and become firefighters. So it was awesome to have them off the island and in training and done what they need to do. Um, And then we have the hospital where we have a doctor and he rotates every six weeks. So every six weeks he's there and then another doctor will come in and then he'll come back, I think, I believe for six weeks. Right. Um, so we've met a couple of different doctors during that time. The nurses are all pretty much from the island. Um, and then there's a couple of nurses that come in and out. And Glennis is our ambulance driver, which nice. she, um, so she drives the ambulance and that's parked at the fire station. So that's all we really have. Yeah. And to go, like people have been asking me, to go from one side of the island to the other side is how long as a drive? Oh, so from Waitangi where we are, um, which is so this just north of the South Coast, the South yep. Coast and then Waitangi to Kangaroa would be about 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. um, okay. minutes and then to Port Hutt and out Waitangi West is probably an hour. So okay. All right. and that's the gravel road. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. Okay, right. So now the sixty-four million dollar question, somebody said, ask you this. Obviously, we kind of know, but what does COVID look like on the Chatham Islands? Because I'm guessing <laughs> when you guys are miles away from us, but you're still under the law of New Zealand. So a lockdown is a lockdown. Doesn't matter where you are, does it? So um, no. yeah. What's it been, what's it been like on the Chathams? Is it 
been a bit of a head scratcher for some of you guys because have you had any cases of COVID on the islands or not? No, we haven't. And um, long we may that continue, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But when Auckland last went into their level three or four, I think it was, not obviously this time, but time before, we were in the middle of tourists coming over. Yeah. Uh, and the island gets quite protective of the island and yeah. we don't want that to happen because obviously once one person goes down, everyone's going to go down. Yeah. Um, we don't have the facilities to be able to, you know, help everyone in life flight and flights are quite far away. Um, this time we left as soon as level four hit um, due to obviously my leg. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so which we haven't actually seen what it's been like. Yeah. Um, we haven't heard anything, but the people who have been running um, emergency management and the police officer that's over there at the moment have it all under control and everyone seems to be doing what they need to do which yep. is fantastic news um, yep. and everyone kind of sticks by the rules like we just we don't as I said we don't want it to have an outbreak and we don't want it and the flights get shut down so there's no one really coming off on and off the island yep. um, and the only thing that is is freight and if family do need to come back, like obviously there's a lot of, there's no high school. So all the high school students come home yeah, and not high school students that couldn't get back in that immediate 24 hours or 48 hours that have had to come back on different planes. They're going straight to their house, isolating and doing what they need to do and not going out. Yeah. Um, so no, it's been, been good. I guess for a lot of the overseas listeners again, and probably, some of them up in the upper north as well. Um, there's only a limited amount of flights to the Chatham Islands, isn't there? It's not, it's not like you can just book it every day. It's Was it once or twice a week? So from Wellington, we're Monday, Wednesday and Friday. There you go. Um, yep. And Tuesday is from Christchurch and Thursday is from Auckland or the other way around. I can't remember which way is it. Yep. But over like the winter and the slower season, we are only Monday and, we, uh, Monday and Friday from Wellington. And then one day from Christchurch and one day from Auckland. Nice. So, yeah, it is very limited flights. Mm. Okay. All right, back to a police-themed question. Um, and some of the guys were asking, I was like, yeah, we can ask that, that's for sure. How does your court work on the Chatham Islands? Because I'm guessing if uh, I get arrested for something or I have to appear before the magistrate, uh, do you actually have a resident judge here or does the magistrate come over and fly over for the appearance or do you ship me off to Christchurch or what's the story? It all depends now. Uh, yeah. We have a court that um, that happens every three months. Yeah. Um, so every three months, a judge, magistrate, a lawyer, and probations all fly over. Yep. Um, and again, it's an amazing experience because it's not every day that we get to sit in court. Yeah. Um, obviously, a prosecutor comes over as well. Um, so yeah, every it's and we get through it and it's over and done with and hopefully sometimes by one o'clock yeah it's really good and it's very thorough it's to the point and we're done and we're out nice good work yep so there we go so all those people are asking me today there's your answer for it okay all right so getting back to the fitness for a second uh mm -hmm. as a pt and as a nutrition coach and everything else i always ask this what's the reason that you think so many people fail uh in their fitness and nutrition goals in your opinion 
in my own personal opinion, um, having gone through the exercise, through the nutrition, put myself, I'll go individually, exercise, people overdo exercise um, and people, I don't know, they're not going to get the results if they are working out two to three times a day without the nutrition side and without the rest days. Um, nutrition, um, nutrition's really, really hard and having one being put through it myself when I had done my course and then did it with, um, life hack, you, you think that a little treat is going to, is going to be okay. Um, and that having that extra glass of coffee with that milk is going to be okay when it's not um, and then people start to think that they have to throw everything aside and actually like the preparation the preparation is what scares people Um, they think that they have to just eat healthy they have to for the rest of their life whereas if they stick to the eight weeks um, and prep their food and by preparation, I mean, it's basic. It's once they learn that it's basic, you have some chicken, some frozen veggies and, and some kumara, and that yeah. takes you a whole of an hour to cook. But the word preparation, the word healthy food scares people off. And yeah. I think once they, if they don't get through that first week and uh, without the support with, from other people, they they want to give up, yeah. Um, and results don't happen overnight, and no. a lot of people expect that, and that's where a lot of people do jump onto the quick, I don't know, seven day detox or anything like that without actually having the knowledge behind what affects their body with that, and that in a week's time they're going to put that extra two kgs on, but sometimes they don't actually understand their body, and especially for women understanding the woman's body and the cycles in woman's body of going up and fluctuating because they may be quite I mean I do reflect back to women because this is kind of one of the reasons why but women will start losing weight and then things will happen in that month stress builds up and things like that and yeah yeah, and um they put on weight and then so they give up without actually digging a bit deeper and going what's going on in my body what's going on stress wise why am i sleeping sleep is a huge thing of of weight loss and if you're sleeping for four hours your body is not going to function your body's not going to do what it needs to do so there's a whole lot of factors to why people not fail but they don't actually look into the reasons to why they're not achieving their goals yeah yeah Um, you're not wrong um that's right Go on. Oh no, that's why. I mean, that's why I have such a huge drive for it, having been through it myself. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm now lost the weight, done my fitness, and actually realizing that they go hand in hand. And without yeah. my nutrition, I can't exercise. Do you follow the eighty twenty rule? So eighty percent nutrition, twenty percent exercise, or you reckon it's more? I don't know. I, I think I'm just if I'm if I'm exercising, I need to refuel. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. If I'm having a rest day or I'm having a week where I'm not going to exercise, I'm just going to have an absolute rest day. We drop back the calories. So I'm still eating similar foods to what I would, but it's just a little bit less. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Okay. I'm going to ask you this though, uh, as a police officer and as a PT, because I've visited nutritionists and some of the stuff that they've recommended 
I have in my squad card just as a bit of a snack for when I'm feeling a bit peckish. I'm like, yeah, that's really cool that you think I can carry like a salmon salad around in the back of my car, but by if I put it in there at like eight o'clock in the morning, by about three o'clock, it's almost cooked itself and I'll probably get salmonella and everything else. So what's your, if I said to you, what's your go-to uh, when you're feeling hungry, but it's just in your gear bag, what would be the one thing that you'd have there? My one thing would be a protein shake. Protein shake's nice and easy. Yeah. Um, you've got a water bottle. You put your scoop in in the morning and that's going to fill you up. Boom. There you go. All good. Now, you've recently had a wee mishap when your Achilles snapped. Uh, and <laughs> having seen a couple of snap, people have snapped their Achilles, I know how incredibly painful it is. Um, did you hear? I've got to ask this question. Um, did you hear it snap when it went or did you just feel your leg? get really sore um so the story from this was fourth quarter of a netball game and it was Wickers versus Kiwis which is to explain it the background of that is the Wickers are the Chatham Islanders and the Kiwis are obviously the imports to the Chatham Islands and it was getting quite intense and I believe us Kiwis were up by eight points. Well, that's your this. story and you'll stick to it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was playing wing defense, which I go back to that. I've never actually played netball. This yeah. was my first ever season. Um, and it was getting in a bit, a bit pushy. And as the whistle went and they went to throw the ball, I heard this big bang. Yeah. And I literally turned around because I thought that someone had kicked me so hard in the back of the leg that I was ready to get quite angry yeah. and aggressive towards someone, which isn't in me, but I was like, oh, that was a bit nasty. Yeah. And I turned around and it was just Casper. There was no one there. Yeah. And it was then that the pain just shot up my leg. And I just looked over and there was two or three people who had had their Achilles snap before. And they're like, Tegan, it's your Achilles. And so I hobbled off on the sideline then went into shock yeah and then got angry at myself because i was mid nationals new zealand nationals so yeah yeah it's a that, which is the next question i'm going to ask you because i've been injured myself and i think lots of our listeners probably have as well how did it affect your mental and physical well-being um in the initial phase because you get you do you get depressed you're not going to be able to compete for probably I'm guessing maybe six to eight months, like properly. Um, yeah. And then and then you start to think, oh, you know, what the hell's the point and everything else. And then eventually what ends up happening is I tell people, you end up popping the middle finger and actually going, you know what? Uh, I'm injured, but I'm still going to kick ass. So let's go for it. So what was your mental process like around it? Everyone knew on the sideline that I was very angry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd only just put a post up on our Chatham Islands page asking for a roller for my next competition. So the New Zealand Nationals, it was the third workout where we needed a rower um, and I didn't have one. And so I'd sourced one and I was about to pick it up after the netball game to go and do that workout. So that immediate, you idiot, why are you doing this? I'm injured. I'm not going to get through the Nationals. How long is the recovery going to be? It was just, there was just so many things that were processing through my head. Um, I cried my eyes out several times that evening yep. um, and the next day it was just it was the continual thought of not being able to do anything um, so yeah I was I was upset the mental game did did kick in um, 
and I don't think it has stopped, yeah. but it's where you, it starts to change when I can start to do more things in the yeah. gym. Yeah. Now I'm going to give away my next guest on the podcast, but he's a man called Mark Ormrod. I'll spell his last name for you. O-R-M-R-O-D. R-O-D. Go and mm. Google him after you've finished and you will never ever come up with an excuse for not doing a workout ever. He's probably one of the most inspiring guys on the entire planet. I'll just let you know that now. All right. Um, okay. All right. So you've had a bit of an adventure um, with uh, one of your kids on the island as well, didn't you? And the police family came to the rescue um, where you had a little mishap. Didn't your girl have a mishap? Where she ended up in a, a cast? It did. So on January 1st last year, I was at work and Dana called me saying, I think Lexi's a bit injured. And I asked him, I was like, what's going on? And she'd been running around. She'd been running around after the bath and fallen on a leg. And he said, I'll just put her to bed and just see how she goes. And about 20 minutes later, I was working in Purirua and he rang and he's like, no, you need to get home. And we took her down to A&E and she screamed at every single bump, um, got down there and she'd actually fractured her um femur yep. spiral fracture and so she was put into a spiker cast up to her hip or just above her ribs and um, both legs in yep. for six weeks yeah um, she's a little trooper man yep. she got through it and then but during this time so i was in hospital for i think it was five days she was in three days and they hold her leg on the strings and they drag it out yeah before she went into the cast but our police family I mean, they came together that night. One of the girls drove, picked my mum up, drove her to our house, got clothes, went to Kmart. They all brought things for my little girl. And then one of our good mates, he actually built her a little spiker cast table um, so that she could sit up. Um, and they all, and then they took my other girl out while we we're in hospital. I mean, they, they come together, they yeah. help you out. It's the most incredible feeling ever. Yeah. That's the blue family for you. They're always doing good stuff, um, especially when you need it the most. And the, the beauty of it is uh, you never have to ask either. They're just there. Yeah, it's amazing. They are. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of other questions for you. Vaccine rollout on the Chathams, what's that looking like? Is it happening or is it not happening at this stage? Or Yeah, we got our first lot in Gen- uh, July. Yeah. And so that came over in July. We facilitated it coming off the plane um as part of just the safe transfer process and then um i think there was just over 500 that got there then so you almost got the entire island done yeah pretty much yeah so it was really good and then i believe that the next rollout is happening within the next week or so awesome so we yeah it's good news and it's good that everyone's going to be vaccinated on the island yeah that'll be good okay right so the question here is what are most of the 600 people on the Chathams do for jobs? Because somebody asked me that today and I went, actually, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing they'll just have, it's not like they are any different from the rest of humanity. They'll have jobs, but what do most of them do on the Chathams? Um, so there's plenty of jobs, um, but the majority of the jobs are your farming and your fishing. Yep. Um, so, but whilst obviously the men are out doing their fishing, the women blow me away they've got multiple jobs they're here there and everywhere just doing everything they keep themselves busy 
um, from the morning to the evening. Um, you've obviously got the council building ANZ Bank, which opens once a week. Um, yep. You've got two shops there in the hotel. So that kind of keeps a lot of people busy yep. in those little areas. Um, you've got the Iwis as well. So you've got um, Nati Mutanga and the Moriori. So yep. there's a it's kind of groups that work there. Um, a lot of different little trust areas. You've got your electric, um, your, oh, crikey. There's, there's a lot of jobs there. Um, and it's not until you go around to the fishing fisheries and things like that. And Chatham Island Food Co, they were on country calendar. Yep. They've got a lot of workers there and stuff. So there's a lot of jobs. Yep. And a lot of people, I find that the island is just constantly busy. Oh, that's a good thing. And there's, what, three schools on the island as well, isn't there? So there's, so on Chatham, on the Chathams, there's two. So you've got Tione School, which has got 40, uh, 38 students. Yep. You've got Kangaroa, which we've got, sorry, Kangaroa, I think six or eight. Yeah. And then Pitt Island, we just lost one of our little boys down from Tione down to Pitt Island. He's gone down there. Yep. So I think they've got eight or nine down there now as well. Magic. All good. Good stuff. Right. So what do you do after you've done the Chatham Islands? Because for most that's like a dream job where do you go where are you going to go from here do you think have you made a plan or you haven't made a plan i don't know um me and dan were talking about this the other day it's so hard to now choose where i want to go in police yeah my my goal whilst i was there was to to do my sergeant papers to cpks and to have that for when i come back but then being over there the community the youth it's just that's where before I joined police, youth was probably one of my biggest things I really wanted to do. And when you work in the heart, you kind of move away from doing that because there's so many different reasons there. Yeah. But then going back to being appreciated by children and this, you kind of really want to go back and do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, is it working within schools and community? I I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's okay. Open book. Where do you, which part of New Zealand do you think you'll go back to? Definitely back to the Hutt Valley. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All so good. We'll come back here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, final question for you. And this is the question I ask all of my guests. Actually, I haven't asked you the one that I told you to, to think about. So, let's let's ask you that one now. What's your best better work story from the Chatham Islands? Do you know, I was talking about this today to then, and there's one kind of funny one, but there's one really cool one that you wouldn't get to really do anywhere else. So the cool one. Yeah. The, the cool one were, is so in a couple of months ago, I got 40 helmets from NZTO. Helmets, obviously, they're not a thing over there. Yeah. Uh, I'm huge on helmets. So I thought, let's do this. Let's get this and put this into the schools. And um, the most appreciated thing that the kids have ever had, it was so cool taking this. But Pitt Island, which I'll, take you down there when you come over but he um they are 25 minute flight away and it's quite hard to get down there sometimes obviously with a lot of fog the wind on the little four-seater plane i actually don't know what kind of plane it is dan knows more than that that does know it was a (laughs) four-seater as long as it's as long as it's one that flies that's all good yeah yeah um so it's quite a cool experience and i didn't think i'd ever get to pit but when we were flying over i'm like where's the runway guys and they're like 
over there. And I'm like, by the cows, like on that field. <laughs> and I'm like, you better land this right, mate, because otherwise we're not going anywhere good. Yeah. And um, and so we landed in one of the paddocks. Um, and then just going down to Pearl Island and seeing a whole different life um, where there's no roads. It's just a dirt road. You're going through gates, paddocks to get 25 minute, I think it was 25 minute drive to the school, which is basically, it's just a little house for the kids and just to see them light up to see you, to yeah. ask questions and then to see the helmets. I think it was probably just the coolest little thing I've ever done in police, just nice. an appreciate life in general. That's all good. Um, and the way we, the way we live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It just opens so many different doors. Yeah, low key, no fuss. That's that's the best way to do it. Um, oh, yeah, not wrong. Okay, all right. So here's the final question for you. Uh, it's the what I call the eulogy question. So the day of reckoning has come for you, uh, and believe it or not, you're lying in your casket, but you can actually hear what people are saying about you. Right? What would you like them to say about <laughs> you when they get when they're finally given the final words from Tegan Turner? What would you like them to say? Oh, I don't know. Crikey, that was it. It's a huge one. Yeah, it is, I would it just is say that um, I think I just want to be known to that I've always given my best effort. Um, determination is probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, yeah no, like nothing wrong with that. That's all good. No, that, that's a good um, thing. To be known is to yeah, give it all in and determination in life. Easy. And that was the Coppuccino podcast with Dick and Turner. Uh, thank you very much for appearing with us. I am going to throw this out though. And, and you can just uh, for a tactical solutions prize pack, what you can do is you can go and follow the Coppuccino podcast on Instagram. And the question I'm going to ask you now is what placing did Tegan get in New Zealand's fittest mum when she competed at the CrossFit Games? That she competed at. So, what placing did Tegan get? So, you have to DM me on the Cappuccino Podcast Instagram. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Tegan. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.